0: Sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: The magic wand is common sense, it's experience. If you're gonna be in charge of the world's most powerful nation and economy, how about have done a little something before becoming the leader of the free world? seem that novel. How about if you're going to create jobs? Wouldn't it help if you actually have created jobs in the past? I hear brilliant guys like Joe Biden. The government has failed you. Government has failed you. I go, wait a second. Joe, I actually agree with you. Government has failed them. The problem is, Joe, you've been in government for almost 50 years! If government failed you, maybe you're the problem!
0: And now, Stacey Washington.
2: Hey there. Welcome to the program. Thank you for sticking around. We have so much information for you. I have to run down all of the different stuff. We, we have so much. Um, Republican County Executive is ready to sue over a New York bill allowing undocumented, well, illegal aliens uh, to get driver's licenses. They want to make New York the 12th state in which this can be perfectly fine. Um, President Trump and Chairman Z will meet during the G20 summit in Osaka, Japan. I have some details about that. I also have um, the info about this uh, m- announcement from Apple that they're reducing their Chinese production by 30%. Yeah, 30%. They're redu- reducing their Chinese production. Now, this is huge because really they could do whatever they want. They, and, and so they have been doing whatever they want. And now they're going to do something different. And the tariffs are part of the reason why. And I, and I can't stress enough, the tariffs... So let's say the tariffs are over by December. Let's just say, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but let's say December of 2019, all the tariffs against China are over. Well, what has been demonstrated is that, you know, you, you're you rolling the dice. Let's say President Trump is reelected. Then that means China could act up again. The president could reinstitute tariffs. So the way to insulate yourself from that is to take your business out of China, right? Or to reduce it, to begin to move it. So smart, Um Now, I've heard all this talk about Apple ending the iPhone. I don't understand why Apple would end the iPhone, in production, just completely cut it out. Is there something they're going to replace it with? Is there another phone that has achieved utter dominance that is better than the iPhone? I'm saying this as an iPhone user who I'm pretty dissatisfied with the current one that I have. It's their own fault. They wouldn't have to end the iPhone if they would just put the earphone jack back anyway. Um, I don't want to go to Samsung cause I have all these other Apple products. So what's going on with them? Like what, is, what is wrong with people when they make something and everybody buys it? Then all of a sudden they're like, I'm not making it anymore. It's just idiotic. Um, okay. And then also let me run down these other things cause I'm just like, I got so much here. So in 24 hours, president Trump raised 24.5 million, basically almost more than all of the other 22 contenders combined have raised in their launches. Um, The highest one uh, who the the most amount raised in 24 hours is held by, I think, Bernie Sanders at six point something million. Um, So the president has now, obviously, it's consolidated. What other people are saying is, well, if you add all the Democratic contenders together, then it's similar in numbers. Yeah. But does that mean every single Democratic contender is going to pile all their money into the campaign of the eventual nominee? I don't know about that. I don't think that's how that works, but it could be. I mean, anything's possible. Um, so the Orlando Sentinel actually announced in an editorial that they are not going to endorse President Trump. Guess what? He beat them and their announcement last time by winning the state of Florida in spite of them not endorsing him. So they can keep their endorsement. Who cares? Um, the other thing that I thought was really, really interesting: some kid got uh, in, booted from class for saying that there are two genders. Some poor kid um, was in class and the entire discussion was caught on camera and the teacher said, get out. And the, the student said, why? He said, you aren't being inclusive. I know what the authority thinks and point of view. It's very clear that we make no discrimination on, on the grounds. I'm sorry that you choose to make an issue about a point that is contrary to policy. Um, the student said, I think it's silly to have anything other than two genders. It's not scientific whatsoever. I stated something that I believe in and you kicked me out of class. I wasn't making a discrimination. I was simply saying there are two genders, male and female. Anything else is a personal identification. The teacher then fired back by telling the student to keep that opinion to your own house and not in the school. I am stating what is national school authority policy. Now, where is this guy from? It sounds like he's a communist from red China. This is an inclusive school. I'm more than one gender in this country. That is my opinion. And if that is an opinion that is acceptable to the school, I'm afraid that yours, what you are saying, there's no such thing as anyone other than male and female, it's not inclusive. You're choosing to make an issue about this. You're making bad choices. The student then asks if he can go to the research area to resume his classwork, and he's told no, you stay in the in the in the classroom. And he says, thanks for wasting my time. And then Right before the end of the video, the teacher stops in his tracks, turns around and tells the student, I'm not allowed to tell you how much of my time you've wasted. Wow. So are we wondering whether this guy's going to get fired? Are we wondering whether this guy is going to be around to keep indoctrinating kids? He's an old guy, you know, sit, sitting up there looking like a communist, yelling at somebody's kid. He'd have me to deal with if he did that to my kid. He wanna, he, he's worried about having somebody in the classroom. We would be there together, me and the teacher. Y'all know they would have to come get me. Somebody would have to come get me from up out of that classroom because I would just be like, I'm staying here. And the only thing I'm talking about is two genders and I'm not leaving. I'm in this room. We're having this conversation and the students are going to be here and watch it too. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that people's taxpayer dollars are going to fund this kind of garbage and speaking of garbage, so let me quickly run down these Monroe, Monroe County Executive Cheryl D'Anolfo, a Republican, is prepared to take New York State to court over the green light bill, which Andrew Cuomo just signed into law this week, which allows illegal aliens to get driver's license. Now, remember, in California, Californians were told That if they allowed illegal aliens to get driver's licenses, it would stop all of these accidents that these illegal aliens were having driving without licenses. Well, it hasn't lowered the number of accidents at all. They still have a huge high accident rate there. They still have a lot of people who drive drunk and kill people there. They still have a lot of vehicular homicide where illegal aliens drive over people sitting at bus stops, people walking down the street on the sidewalk, people coming out of stores. They get run over by drunk illegal aliens, and some of them aren't even drunk. They just run you down. And when you ask them, "What, what has happened to you? Illegal aliens often say people die. That's what they say. Everyone is going to die. And so that person just died and people die. These are people from other countries who come here to America and they have no concept of the value of human life. And when they kill someone, they just make it and they know they can't be touched. They know that because they know they're here illegally. So they know they're going to be deported if they serve any jail time at all. And if they're in a sanctuary state like California, they won't be deported and they probably won't even be prosecuted. So she's saying here's her quote, D'Nolfo. She says. This new policy, in addition to putting state law at odds with federal law, endangers public safety and rewards those who have not followed the rule of law in the first place. And she will not allow licenses to be issued to illegal immigrants here without a fight. She says she's going to fight it now. The clerk who will be responsible for issuing these, a Democratic county clerk in Erie County, um, his last name is Bellow. Clerk Bellow has said he's not going to do it either. And he's a Democrat. He's not issuing any driver's licenses. He says the governor may remove me from my position, but until he does so, I ain't issuing any licenses to people who are here illegally. Okay, so that's what's going on there. Then you've got President Trump. He's going to meet with Chairman G. And what I uh, the the one thing that I want you to take away from this story is that we don't obviously we don't know what the president's going to say to Chairman G. We don't know if he's going to um, threaten him with even further, um, you know, tariffs or what have you. But he has in the past threatened that the tariffs that are currently in place are not the end of it, that there could be more. He has also threatened more consequential actions as it relates to non-tariff barriers, IP protection, forced technology transfers, as a result of China reneging on the previous agreement. So Beijing is under threat from President Trump. Now, what does all this mean? Well, it's possible that President Trump could end up, um, it's possible that he could end up really holding this over his head and that the Chinese could just, you know, grit and bear it because they're concerned that President Trump might not be reelected. So they could basically take a wait and see attitude and just continue to bear up under the current tariff regime, kind of thinking, you know what? He's going into the election period. He's not going to level any more tariffs. He's really just wanting to win his next election. And we don't think he's going to win anyway. Well, I think that's probably what they're going to do, but it's possible um, that they will just say they're not going to have any more negotiations beyond this G- G20 pull aside because they normally, their traditional and cultural position is normally that they don't meet and negotiate while they're being threatened. So there's a lot more involved here. But suffice it to say, the election, it doesn't necessarily help the president's bargaining position. But in Trump's case, I don't think it hurts it either. It just depends on how he approaches it and what their exchange is. I don't know what their exchange is going to be. So before we get to this audio of McConnell making the statement about slavery uh, or this. So one of the reporters asked Mitch McConnell if Trump or Congress should apologize for slavery, which I believe Bill Clinton did. But anyway, It's some audio of him talking about that. But I first want to uh, just add something on to yesterday's discussion about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez making these statements to her millions of followers online about how there are concentration camps at the southern border. Now, first of all, logic dictates that people, I don't care what country you're from, you don't march willingly 2,000 miles from your country to another country and wait in line to be put into a concentration camp. So while the conditions are deplorable... They're rolling the dice that they will live in those deplorable conditions for about 21 days and then be released into America. And that's the goal, getting into America. That, that is the end goal of all of these people. So the idea that she's calling them concentration camps is ludicrous. I tweeted her about it today. So I've been to a concentration camp, one of the ones in Germany, where we rode for hours to get there. And I took the tour with my parents. It was like a weekend MWR trip. And it was unbelievable. This was decades ago. I was a kid when we took this tour and I still remember it. If I sit quietly, I can still feel it's like this eerie silence that covered the whole place. And and we so I don't know if it was because of where we were or that we knew where we were or out of respect, but we all just used hushed tones through the entire tour. And the smell of what they did to the people there is still there. So when you're taking the tour and you're it's it's the weightiness of all of the people who were killed there. You just you it changes you when you go on these tours, you go to Auschwitz or Dachau. It changes you because you realize that everything the Bible says about the depravity of man. It's so true. It's so inexorably true. You cannot escape Man's depravity when you're walking in the place where millions of people were snuffed out, experimented on, treated worse than animals. So you got to put that up against what she's saying, which is that America is intentionally putting people into concentration camps, preparing to kill them. That we are currently under the presidency of Donald Trump exercising people into concentration camps. Now, these holding facilities are not good environments. They're they're not what we would normally want people to have to experience, but we don't have any choice here. If any court would reverse the Flores decision or if we could just turn them around, they they set foot on American soil, so what? They're on American soil. So what? It's liberal Judges that have put us in this place, and Democrats are keeping us here by refusing to negotiate with the president on anything. They won't even give him any funding to create more of these holding centers, which I personally, I actually don't agree with that. I don't agree with building more detention centers. All that does is encourage more people to come here. So. Her statement is meant to activate the crazies within the Democratic Party, the far left progressives that follow her, to create a situation in which people are harmed, some kind of terrorist act or something. That's what she's gunning for. And I'm not trying to malign her. I honestly believe that's what she just did It's put a call out for somebody crazy to do something horrible. We'll be back with more.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American family radio you know i'm asked often what my favorite part of the holy land tour is and that's like choosing between your children right that's very hard to pick just one uh, place to see or to visit that's the most special but to me uh, it's the boat ride on the sea of galilee i guess is number one that's just a very special day because you know that's exactly where jesus was the sea of Galilee. We're seeing the same terrain that Jesus saw. But there's so much more to our visit to the Holy Land, our trip there in March 2020. We'll go to Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Jericho, Nazareth, and on and on. If you want more information on the tour to Israel, go to TWHolyLand.com. That's TWHolyLand.com.
4: This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Religious liberty in this nation is in limbo at the moment. Some court cases uphold religious liberty. Other cases set it aside as unimportant. Some sectors of our society advocate the American tradition of religious liberty, while other parts of our culture see it as merely a ruse to discriminate against other Americans. Last year, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Baker Jack Phillips in the Masterpiece Cake decision. The justices were critical of the way he was treated by the Colorado state officials. That seemed like a victory for religious liberty. But earlier this month, the Washington State Supreme Court apparently disregarded the ruling by the Supreme Court. They doubled down in their decision against the florist Baronel Stutzman, who for religious reasons did not want to provide flowers for a same-sex ceremony. And while we're talking about bakers, we might mention the ongoing legal case of Aaron and Melissa Klein. The state of Oregon fined them $135,000, drove them to bankruptcy, and ordered them not to speak about their beliefs on marriage. On the other hand, you have the Trump administration that has provided a strong legal foundation for religious liberty. Last month, for example, the Department of Health and Human Services announced rules that protected health care professionals who might refuse to participate in morally questionable practices because of their religious conscience. In the popular culture, you have various members of Congress and pundits talking about the importance of religious liberty. At the same time, you have other politicians and pundits that put the words religious liberty in scare quotes. The Supreme Court can do this country a big favor by continually ruling in favor of religious liberty in the cases before it and others they have yet to consider. And those of us in the general public need to continue to speak out for religious liberty and educate people around us about its importance. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view.
1: For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Antisemitism, go to viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. viewpoints.info slash antisemitism.
0: Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
5: Yeah, I I don't think reparations for something that happened 150 years ago for whom none of us currently living are responsible is a good idea. Uh, We've, you know, tried to deal with our original sin of slavery by fighting a civil war, by passing landmark civil rights legislation. Uh, We've elected an African-American president. I I think we're always a work in progress in this country, Uh, but no one currently alive was responsible for that. And I don't think we should be uh, trying to figure out how to compensate for it. First of all, it'd be pretty hard to figure out who to compensate. We've had waves of immigrants as well who've come to the country and experienced dramatic uh, uh, discrimination of one kind or another. So, no, I don't think reparations are a good idea.
2: Uh, and he the the point that he's making is being uh, everything else he said is being eliminated and, and not listened to just because he mentioned that we'd elected the first black president. And so people are taking that to mean that if you elect the black president, that means that there are no race, no more racial reconciliations that need to be made. There's a young man who writes for Quillette.com, dot com, who's not a conservative by any means, who testified before the House committee today on reparations. And he was saying, you know, as a he he's descended from slaves, just as I am. But he's also. Uh, a a child of privilege. He's in college right now. He writes for Quillette.com, but he's in college right now going to an Ivy League university. He grew up affluent. And he says, why should I get reparations over someone who's paycheck to paycheck who's descended from slaves? Why should I get that when I don't need it? And he's saying the people who actually would, would be most likely to deserve it are his grandparents, people who actually grew up under Jim Crow, like my parents. My parents grew up Um, in the Jim Crow South and they experienced all kinds of just, I mean, ridiculous. I just, sometimes when they've talked to me about it, it's so heartbreaking the way they were treated. It just, it makes you angry and it turns the part of you that hates injustice and wants to punish someone. It just turns that on. And that is why I don't believe we should have reparations because if I feel that way, 10 years ago, 20 years ago today, whenever my parents would talk about that and I asked them about it, it's it's never been where they've poured it into me and tried to make me feel terrible. It's been that they've, they've mentioned something and then I say, well, wait a minute, weren't you like, wasn't wasn't Jim Crow in effect when you were a kid? Yeah, it was, but you know, they always papered over it until I finally said, I, I remember specifically in high school asking my parents about it. And seeing the change in their demeanor when they were telling me this, it's just unbelievable what they went through. So what good does it do for us to have this conversation right now? What good does it do to go over these old wounds and rake them up to take all of these hurts and things from the past that people have gotten over and to rake them up and dig them out and just, you know, start poking and prodding and making people relive that stuff. And then... Pouring it into the rest of us who didn't live it, but we feel the injustice of it. And then what about the other groups of people in this country, like the Irish, for instance, who were also enslaved, also experienced really horrible circumstances and, and hardships. And there are others. There are other groups of Americans who have experienced awful things. Is that who we are? I love how Barack Obama loved to. He would just trot his little old self out. That's not who we are. And everybody would be like slow clapping and he's just so amazing. Well, how about this? That is what America was at one point, but we are no longer. And every minute we spend talking about reparations is not only a waste of time, it's burning valuable energy and time we can't get back on something that we can't heal it that way. The only way to heal is to keep walking forward. Not looking back. And so it's such an unpopular position to hold. Black people really feel like you're betraying them if you're black and you're not, you know, for reparations. But I'm not. I had one of the editors of Salon Magazine tweeting me this morning when I said, you know, black, Democrats just want to keep black people down by focusing on, uh, on reparations and race and the fact that we were once slaves. That's just all they want to do to us. Just keep us if, if they could just keep us there. And she said that the reparations are not all about. It's not only about slavery. Oh. uh, I lit her up. She, she tried to come up into my timeline and tell me something. And I can't tell if she's black or whatever she is. I can't tell. Um, and I don't care. I don't care. what I, She can't tell me anything about slavery or his, my history in that area. Our family on both sides of my family and on my husband's side, we've all traced our lineage back. So I know the name of my first ancestor who was on this soil sold into slavery like a piece of furniture. I know his name and the year and date that it happened. And I know that his grandson was the one who was a slave and was emancipated and walked as a free man before he died. I know all of that history, so I don't, I don't need some Democrat with a chip on their shoulder thinking they know something about me, telling me that I need reparations. I don't need a handout from the federal government. I'm not a victim. In fact, I would dare say that God has made us victorious because that is the background that I come from on one side. The other side was free Blacks. Immigrated to this country just like anybody else and was running around doing whatever they were doing up in Chicago. And then, you know, the rest is the story. So. I don't need anyone. I don't care what color they are, what kind of tan they've got. I don't care what their political bent is. I don't need anybody telling me who I am or what kind of victim I am or that I need something from the government. I need the same stuff from the government that everybody else needs. I need the government to protect and defend the constitution of this country. I need the government to honor my rights that are God-given and protected by our constitution. I need the government to do the things that are remanded to it in Article Two, Section 8. I I need the states to do the stuff that's remanded to them. I don't need any of the rest of that stuff. And for people who think they do... Just look at the other people who've gotten huge infusions of cash and they didn't know how to manage their money. It won't be good for you but for a year or two before you're broke again and looking for some new way to be a new victim for some other handout. I just find it interesting when someone reaches out to me on online social media and tries to tell me what I do or don't know about myself, you know. Maybe you don't know where you come from. Maybe you haven't traced your ancestry back. Maybe you're not a Christian and you haven't been bought and redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You don't understand your positioning under Jesus Christ, that you are a co-heir with him and that you are no longer a slave to sin and death, but that you have been set free. You're a royal priesthood clothed in white and that only God can determine what you will or won't do that. The gates of hell cannot prevail against Jesus Christ. And because of that, because you're co-heirs with him, that he is seated at the right hand of the father, continually pouring out his blood on the mercy seat on your behalf so that you can approach the father and ask and have your prayers answered. If that's not enough for you, no handouts ever going to get it done. The government could give you a billion dollars a year and you'd find a way to fritter it away and burn through it and you'd still be looking for more. Because that spirit of mismanagement and inability to actually make things happen on your own, that's going to permeate and eat up everything that comes to you. No government can overcome that spirit in you. So, you know, just like I told the salon chick, she could get over herself and stop trying to tell me about myself because she does not know me I don't want to see or hear any of us as and I say us people who consider themselves to be Republicans. If you are not affiliated, I'm talking to you, too. We don't have time to waste sitting up, indulging these Democrats in their attempt to further bring down black people in America. Notice how all the other people with the permanent tan who come here from Ghana and Haiti and Nigeria and other places, South Africa, far flung locales. They come here with their permanent tans. And they just hit the ground running. They're graduating from Princeton and Harvard. They're starting businesses. They have the same test-taking scores. Some of them even outscore white Americans. They're right up there with the Asians. These people are coming here and they're like, I'm sorry, oppression, racism, what? Yeah, so there's some people who don't like the way I look. I'm in my own community, but I'm still going to get that education and make something happen. They're having those big hundred thousand dollar weddings. They're starting businesses and they have their own communities that they're setting up and they're killing it. And we're sitting up here talking about reparations, wallowing in the dregs of what once was the sin of this country, slavery, but is no more. So, yeah, everybody's mad at Mitch McConnell for pointing out that we elected President Barack Hussein Obama. But are you kidding me? If this country was totally racist, how ever would he have been elected? Like, how could that happen? So I tell you what, you know, please let me help you to help yourself to help me to help you. That is not something that is ever going to get us anywhere. Because I guarantee you, if they could get it done, all it will do is further divide this country. It will just make other Americans angry and it won't help anyone. So now I want to go to Kudlow talking about the Dow surging after President Trump teased his G20 pull aside with China. It's number four.
6: The United States wants to continue the conversations about structural changes regarding intellectual property theft and uh, forced technology transfers and market openings and tariffs. Uh, We're looking for an enforceable agreement, as we always have. That's absolutely vital. So all of those general topics will be on the table. I I think the market is saying better that they are talking than not talking. Um, No results are guaranteed. I think people know that. But it's not unusual for us to communicate, by the way, at lower levels, um, whether these principles are hot or cold. So um, I'm sure that Bob Lightheiser, Ambassador Lightheiser, and his group will be in touch with the Chinese people. I'm quite certain of that.
2: Got it. So what about that optimism in the stock market? Is that warranted?
6: Well, I don't want to judge. All I'll say is I think a lot of market investors think it's a good thing that talk is better than no talk. Um, there are other things going on in the market. You know, the economy's still pretty good. Interest rates uh, seem to be coming down, et cetera, et cetera. But um, China trade is a key topic. So it's alive. And I guess folks want to keep hope alive.
2: Mm. So um, keeping hope alive is, I think, the very minimal that we're seeing happen here. It's it's look, if we could get China to behave in a not as a bad actor, but as a good actor, if we could get them to just say, you know what, we've, we've had all this time to steal your intellectual property and we've gotten a, a huge benefits out of it, but now it's a new day and so we're going to do the deals we need to do because we want to keep the manufacturing here, um, that would be one thing. But they're, not, they're obviously not going to go down softly. They're just not going to. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, dance between the two nations on how to get it done. But the most important thing that we can take with us from listening to Kudlow or any of the others who are talking about this, uh, Charles Payne over at Fox Business, he's been had some really great uh, informative conversations about this uh, negotiation between America and China. I, I just I have to point out that we wouldn't even be having this negotiation because Hillary Clinton was bought and paid for by China. They'd had her come over there and speak so many times they were just waiting on her to get in the White House. And when she was in there, they were just going to be like puppet masters transferring our intellectual property, moving our stuff. And and I want to also mention, I, I read this deep dive uh, article about how Chinese researchers are now coming under heavy scrutiny by the FBI um, for their relationships with China, because a lot of them are researchers for hospitals in the United States. They live here. They're, um, many of them are American citizens. But if they're ethnically Chinese, meaning they immigrated here and got their high, their college educations here and then went to work for a research hospital and got their PhDs and et cetera, and then they go back to China and they get these fellowships and uh, honorary positions at Chinese universities, it's to facilitate the research. And some of it has been very, very helpful to Americans uh, in the realm of cancer and you know the d- different diseases and medications that they've been able to bring forward. But what they're now saying is that the Chinese government uses these researchers to steal innovations and information from, China, from American universities and bring it to Chinese universities, and that they're seeing an uptick in the number of people who are ethnically Chinese who come here and get educations and work in our research universities, have access to classified information, and then go back to China, move their entire family back there, and take these really well-paid, posh jobs, they even have it's like called the thousand trees initiative or something that the Chinese are running where they are actually trying to get ethnically Chinese people and Chinese Americans to reconsider living here in America and instead bring their knowledge and expertise back to China. The Chinese are trying to steal anything they can get from America by hook or by crook, whether it's the actual people who have the knowledge, the information that the people have access to. They're stealing it from these universities and giving it back to China. And in the tech sector, uh, especially the the parts of the tech sector where you're talking about uh, artificial intelligence and new products and new ideas that are being launched in these kind of uh, venture capital like lab environments. They're coming in with investments and saying, we'll give you everything you need, all the seed money you need, which is coming from the Chinese government, but it's coming in the form of Chinese investors in Silicon Valley. And they're saying, we'll give you whatever you need but you have to give us unlimited access to the research and data as it's being created and and you have to allow us to have complete and utter access to it, meaning they can go in and copy and paste it and send it back to China if they want to because they, they're they the funding mechanism for it. That's the environment that we're in and no one is more uh, up to date on it than President Trump and that is why you see him making these moves where He's really, he's, he's on the cutting edge of this thing trying to extract us from these horrible arrangements. And he can't do that if he's done in 18 months because a Democrat president would just say, you know what, China, you just need to do whatever you need to do and make sure that we can still get our cheap labor over there and that's fine with us. We go back to the way things were. None of the Democrats care anything about protecting American intellectual property. So it's fascinating, which, by the way, I didn't get to the details on the reduction in production targets for China by Apple and their subsidiaries. So we'll get to that as well. When we come back, you're going to hear Secretary Pompeo updating us on the U.S. response to Iran's aggression. Keep it here.
1: Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've been all over the country helping disaster victims who lose everything.
3: It's truly a blessing. I really don't have the words to express.
1: And yet they see a glimmer of hope when a volunteer shows up. Building the home, that's the second reason we're here. The number one reason is to share the gospel and and give them hope. It's everything that's
3: right in America. I mean, it really represents the, the best that we have to offer.
1: That's one of the main reasons for doing it is being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus and coming out and working with so many wonderful volunteers. I just feel like it's important in this day and age to teach a child uh, how to serve. Please go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, and click on Get Involved, submit your email address, and the next time we go anywhere with a disaster, we'll invite you to come along as well. I love coming in the job room because you can see these pieces of paper, they aren't just a piece of paper. It's a family that's hurting, and it's a gospel opportunity. You
5: know, I just thank God, you know, for
2: this moment. I mean, I'll be back in my home, and I know it's going to be awesome.
1: Come love others with 8 Days of Hope. Hi, this is Jim Stanley, General Manager of American Family Radio,
2: here to
3: tell you that change is on the air. Uh,
1: Excuse me, Jim, I believe the saying would be changes in the air.
3: Well, that's true, too. We've got some big changes coming up, and you'll hear them on the air. Oh, right, boss. Go ahead. As I was saying, changes are coming, and you'll hear them on the air beginning Monday, June 24th, here
6: on American Family Radio. So,
0: do they affect me? I mean, are we cool here? I mean, we're cool,
6: right? One goal is that we're hoping that believers will come to learn more about prayer and more about the vital place it's to have in the life of every single believer. Pastor Joseph Parker of the Hour of Intercession. Each and every one of us is called to live a life given to prayer. All of us are wise to make prayer a big part of our individual lives, and we're wise to make it a big part of our life in our families and in our homes
0: listen weekday afternoons at 1 central here on urban family talk
6: this is fox on justice A former reality show star is president of the United States, so it shouldn't be a surprise that another former reality show star would be studying for a law degree and advocating on behalf of ex-convicts hoping to restart their lives. These people want to work. Kim Kardashian West came to the White House last week to lend her support to a campaign to promote the hiring of former prisoners. She announced a rideshare program.
2: Formerly incarcerated people will be gifted gift cards um, so that they can get rides to and from job interviews, to and from jobs, family members.
6: Kardashian West said it's a good idea for society, too.
2: The more opportunity we have and that they have and the support that we help give them, the safer everyone will be and the recidivism rate will be um, continue
3: to just get lower.
6: With Fox on Justice, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacey of the Right from the podcast
0: page on AFR.net or urbanfamilytalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The purpose of my visit was to come down here and make sure that the State Department, the Department of Defense, were deeply coordinated across uh, the, a whole broad range of issues. We certainly discussed uh, the ongoing tension uh, in the Gulf, but we talked about um, a much broader range of issues. Uh, if if we're to deliver at the State Department on the President's diplomatic objectives, uh, we have to be uh, tightly woven with our military. And I appreciate uh, General McKenzie, General Clark and their team spending time with me and my team today uh, to make sure we were doing just that. Uh, we had extensive conversations about uh, tactical, operational, strategic levels of, uh, of work between our two organizations uh, to make sure that when we present options, uh, alternatives, uh, policy recommendations to President Trump, we're doing so in a way that is uh, coherent and consistent and uh, leads the president to a fuller understanding of the uh, challenges and opportunities connected to uh, decisions that he makes. Uh, We we certainly, as I said, spoke about uh, the challenges in in Iran. We talked about the uh, CENTCOM uh, decision uh, that Secretary Shanahan and the president approved to move a a thousand more uh, Americans into theater to make sure that we're in a position to do the right thing, which is to continue to work to convince the Islamic of of Iran that we are serious and to deter them from further aggression in the region.
2: Wow. So that is uh, Secretary of State Pompeo updating on the, the US response. And, and it makes sense to move troops there and to basically display a show of force to ensure that they're, they understand who they're playing around with. You know, go ahead, play, you do what you're gonna do, but understand what the repercussions might be. And no, the president doesn't want to go to war with Iran. Uh, uh, quite the opposite. He does not want to go to war with Iran. The most important thing that can happen is for us to stabilize and normalize those relations. But sometimes that involves people kind of pushing buttons to see exactly what works and what doesn't. You know, they're, they're poking the bear. They want to see what, what will happen to us if we do this. And what kind of metal is President Trump made of? He doesn't have the support of his entire country. He doesn't even have the support of his entire government. He's fighting his own people as much as he might be fighting us. What can he do? And the president has to answer that. And I think that's what he's doing. So, um, all right. So there's a little bit more, a little bit more. um, I have a few more pieces of news here. Um, So first of all, I talked about this iPhone reduction in production in in, uh, China. So... The regime is actually working. Apple is going to shift 30% of their production out of China, not only due to the tariffs, but also because of uncertainty over the future of trade between both countries. All of this comes as Foxconn executives warned that the biggest maker of iPhones in China was ready to shift production elsewhere. Now, as for Apple, the word from Nikkei is that the suppliers of iPhones, iPads, MacBooks, and Apple EarPods have all drawn up plans to move 15 to 30% of their production outside of the mainland with India, Vietnam, Mexico, and Malaysia looking like the top alternatives. Um, so at this point, even if the Trump administration does not go ahead and slap tariffs on an additional $300 billion in Chinese goods, Foxconn, Pegatron, Wistron, Quanta Computer, iPad Maker, compul Electronics, and... AirPods makers in Luxshare ICT, and GoreTech have all been asked by Apple to evaluate options outside of China. So millions of jobs are going to leave China in the near term. Also, they're saying that the lower birth rates in China, their demographic numbers are also playing a role here. But Nikkei reports that they're Request was triggered by the protracted trade tensions between Washington and Beijing, but multiple sources say that even if the spat is resolved, there will be no turning back. Apple has decided the risks of relying so heavily on manufacturing in China, as it has done for decades, are too great and even rising. Wow. Okay. Um. A lower birth rate, higher labor costs, the risk of overly centralizing its production in one country are adverse factors, and those are not changing. With or without the final round of the $300 billion tariff, Apple is following the big trend to diversify production, giving itself more flexibility. They're actually, um, this is a huge change for them because they've built so much of their manufacturing base in China over the past two decades. China is able to rally hundreds of thousands of skilled workers at short notice to fill rapidly rising orders. And this happened as Apple was growing. Um, We talked about this, how I I read that story about how you literally have 100,000 screws that you need made, um, you know, in 48 hours. And in China, they can marshal people to work, you know, 12-hour shifts, 8-hour shifts, whatever, 24 hours a day. They can literally put these bodies into factories and get them working and get the screw order completed within, you know, three days. And in America, it would take, you know, a month or what have you. So what they're doing is, um, even with that, they're, they're going to have to pull out. Um, China actually built an extensive and complex ecosystem of components, logistics, and talent, around the sites where Apple manufactures their components. Five million Chinese jobs rely on Apple. Five million. Isn't that amazing? Capitalism in a communist country employing five million people, one company. I wonder if somebody has somewhere a tally of all of the jobs in China that are due to American companies. Like how many of their people would absolutely not have a job If our company wasn't there, but if any of our companies weren't there. So inside that $5 million number are 1.8 million software and iOS app developers, according to a study available on the company's website, Apple itself employs 10,000 staff in China. So Obviously, replicating a network such as that elsewhere is going to take time. This isn't something that happens overnight. It's not like when we decide we're not going to shop at, you know, Target anymore and we just immediately drive over to Walmart and start shopping there. This is going to take a long time to actually transition. But what's interesting about it is once the decision is made, as we all know with with businesses and we look at businesses and how they operate, once they've made a decision about something, everything within the company shifts to thinking about that new direction that they're taking. And I find it fascinating because you see it happen at small companies. You see it happen at huge companies. Um, When companies announce they have a new vision, obviously the new vision is not something that they came up with the night before. It's been months in the making, but when the announcement hits, anyone who's an outsider who comes to interact with the company, maybe a supplier or a subcontractor who wants to get in on this new directional shift when they come in, they find that every area, every department, they've all got their marching orders and they've made their plans and they've gone back and forth and argued and, you know, kind of gotten the, the nitty gritty details flushed out. And it's a plan, not just for the the next week or the next 30 days, but it's how they're going to get everything done this quarter, the next quarter, and the one after that. And contingency planning and some forward looking kind of, maybe it's just a framework for the year after and the year after that. And, that. and everything they're doing is now moving towards that. Relationships and things that were in the other direction, those are shifted. Can you, can you go in this new direction with us? And if you can't, well, then we have to find someone who can. Everything's now moving in that direction. So to have these suppliers for Apple products, to, to be told by Apple, we need 15 to 30% of, of what we're doing in your area to move outside of China these conversations are ongoing, these meetings are ongoing, and these people are going to make that happen because these businesses rely on their relationship with Apple. They, what other choice do they have? They want to keep the business. Um, so it's, it's so interesting to me that the Chinese, and maybe it's due to the communist nature of their thought patterns and the way that they deal with everyone, the way, that they, the way they view the world, that makes them unable to see that in business... Yes, they do have room to negotiate, but they've been negotiating for a long time now. And now they're at a place where they literally are going to lose all of this business over stealing from us. But I guess this goes back to if if you're a thief, if you're an intellectual property thief, whatever the kind of thief you are, you're not going to be able to be wise and see uh, the handwriting on the wall that you're about to lose everything that you thought y- y- Basically, the, the, the pipeline for the theft that they so enjoy, the gravy train, it's about to be shut down. It's fascinating. Um, so the president ripped the Democrats last night for uh, their hatred, their prejudice, their rage. I think it was so appropriate. They needed to be ripped. They need to be ripped some more. Their, the ripping was not enough. Um, Biden actually told voters at his little mini rally, because, um, I mean— Let's face it. And I'm not being, like, I'm not exaggerating. Um, here in St. Louis, if we just announce we're having, like, just any old kind of thing, we can get more than 90 people together. Uh, the last rally we did was with Jim Hoft, of the Gateway Pundit, and it was about the wall. And I spoke for about four minutes, and there were other, this is a whole list of people who spoke. And we had about 250 people there. Um, on a Saturday, I think it was a Saturday. It might've been a Friday morning in Clayton at a park. I mean, I'm telling you to, for him to only be able to get 90 people together. I'm just like, how can you tell voters you think you can win Texas and Florida and in Florida, you can't get 90, you, you can't get 250 people together. He should have been able to at least muster up a thousand people to come listen to him talk. I don't know if it's cause they already know he's going to be the nominee or they just don't. I, I don't know. Um, So obviously the president's numbers are in and the rally last night broke records. Um, Morning, Joe. I didn't I didn't get this audio for you because I hate the way they talk about President Trump. You can dislike somebody without losing all of your integrity. Right. Um, They were saying that horrible things comparing him to Elvis at the end of his life, saying that he was drunk on vodka, Quaaludes, just the worst kind of stuff, even Mika Brzezinski, who can be pretty foul herself, was trying to rein them in, but it, it just wasn't working. They were on a roll and they were just awful. Um, so MSNBC's Chris Matthews, he, he had a little moment on air where he was upset because um, they were interviewing an Ohio voter and the voter is a business owner. And he said, I, I'm, Trump is showing results. I run a small business. My numbers are growing and I'm, I want to see him do more. Um, so they're just a ton of different things that are going on a lot of news. And I feel, um, like one of the biggest stories that maybe, maybe I haven't talked about it enough is this whole push to get illegal immigrants, driver's licenses, because driver's licenses are the primary means by which people identify themselves at the polls. And so poll workers are not aware that, a driver's license from an illegal alien, like if you have an address and you have a driver's license and some Democrat group like the Acorn offshoots that still exist has registered you to vote, these people are voting. They had, I think, 175,000 of them vote in Florida. um, Or not Florida. in in, uh, I think it was Texas. In any case, we found many instances of people voting illegally, being in the country illegally, having driver's license and voting. Um, And so this is... This is the plan. Why do you think they want this unfettered immigration? So, uh, look, the, the idea is you ignore what voters want, which is what they're doing in, Cal- in in New York right now with that story we talked about earlier. And you just push this through. You let the illegal aliens have driver's licenses. And then later when they're voting, who can say what, who can do what? So that's what we're seeing. Um, I hope it becomes a political liability for them, but there's, there's really no way to tell because in, if, if, if logic was still in play here, Democrats would already be seeing really negative consequences from having these positions anyway, but they're not, not only they're not having negative consequences, it's, it's almost as if there's a, like a cone of silence around all the bad stuff they're doing all over the country. And that people are just ignoring it. And they're getting away with it. It brings us to, um, I had a friend send me something about the delusion, um, which is, this is biblical. Where um, people become deluded by basically giving themselves over to... um, you give yourself over to sin and depravity and you refuse to heed the warnings and anything like that. And then the Lord gives you over to that, that kind of basic delusion where you literally, um, you can't, you can't see the truth. And so what happens after that is as you become more and more deceived, you're unable to decipher between lies and the truth. And we see a lot of that going on on the left right now, where people are just, they only want to talk about racism, illegal immigration, and reparations, and they don't care about the truth of what's happening in this country. All right. That's the show for today. Have a nice evening. Enjoy. And I'll be back with you tomorrow and you will have more Stacy on the right. God bless.